0: Data doesn't lie. That's the beautiful part about it. So learning to analyze and leverage the data, then go make the people decisions based on a lot of what the data has to say. is just a very smart business practice that all the best of the best are doing.
1: You're listening to Toolbox for the Trades, brought to you by Service Titan, a podcast for top service professionals where we interview leaders for their best tips and tricks of the trades, learn how industry trailblazers stay ahead of the competition and how you too can be at the forefront of an industry. Let's jump in.
2: Hello, contractors, and welcome to Toolbox for the Trades. My name is Jackie Aubell, and today I am talking with Service Titan Principal Industry Advisors, Angie Snow and Chris Hunter. We break down the key takeaways from Service Titan's Residential Contractor Report, an overview market report of the emerging trends from shops nationwide. As always, Angie and Chris brought their A-game to this interview, and I hope you learn as much from them as I did. Chris Hunter and Angie Snow, I am so excited to welcome you back to the podcast.
0: Hey, thanks for having us.
3: We are excited to be here.
2: So today we are here to talk about the new residential contractor report generated by ServiceTitan and our data partner, Thrive Analytics, and as two of ServiceTitan's critical, principal, industry advisors, I want to talk with you about some of the like the main findings from this report and highlight some actionable steps that our listeners can take based on what this report found out. Does that sound good to you guys? Sounds
0: That's really awesome. good.
2: All right. Awesome. So before we begin, I need to kick us off with an icebreaker. I'm sure our folks listening already know the two of you because you've been at Pantheon. You've both been guests on this podcast before, but it's always fun to get a little glimpse of your personality outside of the trades. And I would love to know what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given. Angie, maybe you can start.
3: Ooh, this is a good one. I'm going to keep this to business. In business, one of the best pieces of advice is to get a mentor or a coach. I've said this before. I've said this on other podcasts, but I think this is the one thing that really helped my husband and I elevate and grow our company the way that we did and have someone else, especially as a husband-wife team, have someone else to be accountable to. Um, That way I'm not always nagging him and he's not nagging me, but we had a third-party coach and we would just identify coaches for those areas in our business where we felt there was a gap and we needed to improve. And we don't know what we don't know. So it's great to have people who have been successful and they have proven track records. And so be careful about who you choose. There's a lot of people out there seeing their coaches right now. So find a mentor that you feel like has a good solution. But that's the advice that I've had a lot of coaches over the years. And I feel like that's what's helped me get to where I am today.
2: That's awesome. I kind of have I think it's maybe the influence of this podcast, but I've also been thinking about getting a coach in some professional capacity. I think it could be really beneficial and I actually got a recommendation from someone at Pantheon that I've been meaning to follow up with. So thank you. I think you just gave me the extra push.
3: You should do it. I actually I have a coach right now too. I still like I continue to push because I I think that's something we can all do is continue to professionally and personally grow and coaches help you do that. They they kick you in the butt when you need it. <laughs>
2: Amazing. Chris, what about you? What's the best piece of advice you've ever been given?
0: First of all, what a question. So I I actually asked this on my Facebook page the other day. And oh my gosh, yeah, you you would not believe how many people responded and what great pieces of advice that they shared. And what I kind of realized was, Man, they're all awesome, and they all probably mean something so much to somebody. And it's probably at a, a piece of advice that really changed somebody's life. And I think back, I'm going to give you two, because one of them is personal. The best piece of advice I ever got was a friend of mine said, you need to go talk to my friend. And that was about 30 years ago. And I went and talked to the friend, and it happened to be my future wife. We were 16 been married all this time, had an amazing life. So I'm thinking about pieces of advice that really charted the course of my life. Whoa, that one's hard to top, you know? So I'm very thankful for that piece of advice to go speak to the right person at the right time, changed my life. But for business, there's so many, and there's so many really, really good ones. The coach one's phenomenal, but I just want to give kind of a practical one that really stuck with me and, and helped me gain influence with my team or a difficult situation or whatever we were doing. And it was actually from John Maxwell. And it says, always have the meeting before the meeting. And what it means is anytime that you're going to have a meeting about something important with your team or a specific change that you're going to make, always go to somebody before and kind of give them the prep of it. Like, Hey, we're going to be talking about upping our prices. And you're one of my main technicians here. I wanted to tell you about it first because I really need your support when we go into the meeting. So uh, great advice. Always have the meeting before the meeting with the key people that you want to help influence the decision. So that, that was a pretty key uh, piece of advice I got.
2: I really like that piece of advice because... I think you're doing two things there. You're making sure that you have someone who's not just the owner operator who can speak to the change when the meeting happens. And you're also building trust with your highest performing technician who is now maybe feeling a sense of ownership and pride over the fact that you shared this big change with him prior to the rest of the team.
0: That, that's it. it. It's all about influence, right? So I mean, leadership is influence. It's what John Maxwell also says. So what greater way to gain it than to share it and have other people help you influence?
2: I love that. I think that's such a great piece of advice from all three of you. So let's Talk about this report, the residential contractor report that I alluded to at the beginning. And just for anyone who's interested, check out the link in the show notes. You'll be able to access that report. And we're also going to be doing a live webinar on that report later this week. And I'll give you guys the details on that in a second. But Angie, maybe you can tell us a bit about this report which contractors and what trades were pulled to gather this data.
3: Thank you. Yes, this is a really great report. We are really excited to to launch this. It's got some really fascinating information. We surveyed a variety of trades, our regular, you know, HVC, electrical plumbing that we speak to quite often, but also tapped into landscaping, garage doors, water treatment, septic, fire, safety, restoration companies, and other specialty trades. So it's a variety of trades and a variety of sizes of companies, um, which is really cool too, because you get a lot of different perspectives. Um, and I think that's helpful when you're trying to gather data and really get kind of like, what's the state of the union across all of the trades? And another fascinating thing about this report that Chris and I both uh, touched on was these are not just Service Titan customers. These are contractors from that use all types of software, all types of um, field management Software for their teams. It, it's not just service site and customers. So it's really interesting to gather this data from a very holistic view.
0: Also, contractors who are on pen and paper, too, right? Yeah, that was a big key takeaway for me. So whenever I first saw the data, I was like, wow, this seems a little lower in a lot of areas than I expected. But then I got to realizing, wow, Angie and I are really blessed. We get to work with the best of the best all the time. So we're interacting with, uh, a really high caliber companies, you know, that are doing very well on Service Titan. So this gave us a chance to see the whole landscape, you know, because everybody wants to know, how's everyone else doing? Am I alone feeling what I'm feeling or experiencing what I'm experiencing? Or am I doing better than everyone else? And most people don't know, but reports like this, they put the data to it and give you the perspective that you need.
3: I was also going to say that, you know, there are, it's really interesting to see what the goals are of some of these contractors that were surveyed for this report? And do those goals align with what your company's goals are? It's really interesting to see what people are focusing on overall in the trades and what they're concerned about and what they're looking forward to in the future. So it's a great overall picture of the trades as a whole and a cool way to kind of compare how are you and how are you feeling and does that match what the data shows here in this report?
2: yeah and I want to get to comparison in just a second, but just to kind of give a holistic view, so we polled over a thousand contractors nationwide service tighten customers non service tightened customers and also in all different trades about a variety of things revenue profit referrals, what technology they use how they're looking at how they're looking at how they're looking at their challenges and growing and I think it was just really interesting to see that across the whole this uh section of the landscape so Speaking about comparing data, though, Chris, service tank customers actually have access to even more data. So can you tell us a little bit about that?
0: They do. And, and it's amazing uh, how many people probably haven't seen this yet, but it's been there for a while. And, and it's a very powerful tool. And it's called the benchmark report. So, for example, I saw that on this report that 26 percent of service contractors had enjoyed increased revenue. And I was taken aback because I was like, only 26% saw their revenue grow because I just looked at the benchmark report before all this had came out and saw that the average service Titan user last year was experiencing a 26% increase in growth. So far more than those that just weren't growing, we were growing at an exceptional speed. So the, the benchmark report is really cool because it actually dives in and it shows you how are other businesses like you in your specific region performing? So it'll tell you the the growth rate even gives you the breakdown of your average tickets from your service to your install. And, and it's just it's kind of like, hey, how am I doing versus others like me in my area? It's a brilliant report. And a lot of people haven't checked it out yet. They really should. And it's inside of Service Titan.
2: Yeah. And actually, we'll be doing a webinar on this. I think two or one week before this episode comes out. So I'll be sure to link that webinar and the details on how Service Titan customers can get this industry report. So just to kind of give a breakdown here, I feel like the the title of this episode is going to be the one that's all about data. We have the industry report, which polls a section of contractors nationwide about their growth, their challenges, and then Service Titan customers specifically have access to this benchmark report where they can see how they compare to other shops similar to theirs. So these are two excellent pieces of data that you can leverage to get a sense of peace of mind of, as to where you're going. And I just want to go off script a bit. Angie and Chris, you both have a tremendous experience in running your own shops. Talk to me, if you weren't principal industry advisors at Service Titan, if you were presented with this type of data,
0: how would you be using it? So... First of all, data. Everyone thinks data, data, data. What's it really matter? I, I used to run my business thinking, oh, it's all, all about the people, you know, the data, whatever. But then I, I got to studying the best of the best. Like Angie said, I found coaches and they kept referencing back data and how to make data driven decisions and not just always off your gut feel. You know, well, I kind of feel like we're not doing good or I feel like we're doing really good. Well, let's look at the data. Data doesn't lie. That's the beautiful part about it. So, learning to analyze and leverage the data, then go make the people decisions based on a lot of what the data has to say is just a very smart business practice that all the best of the best are doing. So, but a few things that really stood out to me or how I would use it, I would go on there and look at first of all how there, there's one thing that's showing how most people are getting calls. You know how they're getting the business. And it was very surprising, a large percentage of it. And I think we got the exact stat somewhere, but it was like, oh, let me see.
2: Is that you're talking about the word of mouth referrals?
0: Yes. Word of mouth referrals.
2: 71% of business volume came from word of mouth referrals. Holy crap.
0: 71% of business volume comes from people saying, use this business. So for me, and I did this in my company at Hunter, Hunter Super Supertext, I would go all in on that. I'm thinking, wow. What are we doing to add fuel to the fire to this referral engine? And when we say word of mouth, it's not just somebody, hey, yeah, call Hunter or whatever the name of your company is. We're talking about online. They're looking at reviews. We're talking about Facebook and Facebook groups, these neighborhood groups, all these ways that they can essentially broadcast this word of mouth referral system. So I would look at how I could leverage that to really increase it and things like that. There, there's other things in there that has a lot about the concerns. I would look at the concerns. And then when I did my annual business planning, I would come up with a strategy of how we were going to combat a lot of these concerns at the industry scene. So that does a couple good ways. I'd leverage the, the positives, pour gas on that fire to really amplify it. I'd also look at the the concerns, make a plan for it. So that way we know how to overcome those when we see them in the upcoming year.
2: I'm going to ask you to get a little bit deeper on your referrals in a second, but before we do, I want to hear from Angie. So Angie, putting yourself in the shoes of the listener of this podcast, of a contractor who, or maybe even just yourself, you know, what, when did you join Service Titan? Five, 10 years ago? Well, not 10 years ago, but when you were a contractor without this experience you have now, like how would you be looking at these types of reports to influence your strategy and your business decisions?
3: Well, first of all, this report is, just, it's, to Chris's point, it's amazing to have the data, right? Because without it, it's like, well, how do I fit? How are we performing? We just don't really know. And even, even like three years ago, the data from Service Titan, we didn't really have benchmark reports back then either. We didn't have access to other users' data. Um, We didn't really know. It was like you walk into the supply house and, hey, do you guys have jobs? How are you guys doing? That's how you find out how your competitors are doing or you hear back from one of your salespeople, you know, how many other salespeople were on that job. You just really don't know how you're performing and if what you're doing is the norm. And so to be able to hear from other contractors, and what I love about this is it's not service Titan specific, it's trade specific, like, how are we performing? You know, I don't know. But then when you get the benchmark report, you can compare your data with this residential report. Now we have additional data points to look at, and to see where am I at? Because at the end of the day, I don't really like, it's nice to know how everyone else is doing. But then I also have big uh, areas of improvement that I can focus on, hyper-focus on. And I know how to make goals and decisions for my business based on these opportunities that are just shining. Like other people are doing this. I can do this too. Let's find a way. Whether that's getting a coach, whether that's listening to a podcast or a webinar or finding training to help you improve in these areas, the data is there and the opportunities are now just like, here you go on a silver platter. Here are your opportunities where before you just don't know.
0: One other thing that's really helpful in this report is how it breaks it down into different size of companies and the reason why that's important is because angie and i when we were trying to grow our business the best way we could do that was to like she's talking about go and find a coach or find someone that was already doing well so this shows you okay if i want to grow to the next level what are those companies already doing that i need to know so that way uh, there's no need to reinvent the wheel You can actually see how they're, what they're thinking about, you know, like there's some different stats on them outsourcing different things, you know, versus smaller shops that try to keep it all in-house. So what are the larger shops that I'm wanting to grow to already doing? That data's here. So it's very interesting. You can learn from those that have already been in your shoes and traveled on to the next level.
2: Yeah. And you know what, it made me think of with both of that, with both of those answers you just gave, how a lot of the anxiety and stress that comes from being a business owner is not being able to really see how you're doing because you're the one in charge of the show. And it's kind of hard if you don't seek out coaches, if you don't seek out best practice groups, it's hard to know what's happening outside of your silo. And so this report can, can really kind of make you feel less alone, I think. Do you guys agree?
3: Yes, absolutely.
0: Oh,
2: yeah. Yeah. So let's get back to that referral number because when the three of us had our pre-podcast meeting, we were both, all three of us were like 71% of business volume comes from word of mouth referrals. But when you think about it, it makes sense. I had a carpet cleaner come into my apartment the other day and it was so, he was so sweet. He was so lovely. And now I'm like, oh yeah, telling all my people in my apartment building. Yeah, please use Chris. He's great. Not this Chris Hunter, a different Chris. So Chris, you kind of alluded to it before. How you boosted referrals at hunter super Techs when you were still running the business can you tell us a little bit about that
0: yeah so at first jackie it comes down to realizing what causes somebody to want to make a referral you know and, and it comes from great customer service so the first thing that i saw was okay if a big portion of our new customers or our customers are coming from referrals let's look at our budgeting that how we're spending our advertising and marketing dollars and maybe we can redirect those but even before that what can we do to ensure as a business owner the process to make sure we're actually producing this five-star review type service every time and that comes from the incoming phone call to the dispatch bios that are sent out, to once the technician gets there, they're trained, they know how to greet the customer, they know how to do a complete inspection, they know how to do the work and offer options and financing. And then more importantly afterwards, they know how to debrief and actually encourage the customer to take that step and let them know how important those referrals are. And just the whole customer experience is what makes this happen. So a business has to start there. And then after that, I mentioned redirecting the marketing dollars or the advertising dollars. I was thinking, all right, how can I encourage more uh, people to refer, you know, refer people? So I noticed that, wow, we are known a lot for how we interact in the community. So why not hire somebody that their job is to go interact in the community? So I took a piece of that marketing budget, allotted it to a salary of someone that could be a network ambassador. You know, so they got to go to the events, they got to do all the fun stuff and all the things around town to provide goodwill and ask customers, you know, if how they thought about Hunter and if they would refer us. So, I mean, it's something simple like that. It didn't cost me that much money in the big scheme of things, but one, it was the right thing to do for our community. And two, it produced a whole lot of goodwill coming back to us. So that was just one specific thing that, that we did.
2: Yeah. Angie, I want you to add on to this too, but before you do, I just need to say dedicating a salaried position to an ambassador of types, I think could be really powerful, especially in small, close-knit communities. Not even small, I would say even it probably could be applied to all communities. So I really love that idea. Angie, what about you? Tell me a bit about how you boosted referral business at Western Heating and Air. Yeah,
3: Community is so important. And so just to piggyback off of what Chris is saying, the companies that are doing this they are seeing so much success with it. And so I love that he shared that because yes, that is that is huge. If you don't have the salary to employ someone full-time to do that, you need to still be intentional. Someone in your company needs to be involved in the community. One campaign that we just did at our company, we do the coolest school competition. When school starts every year and we get our name out there, social media, we tag high schools. Um, Because you can do that on Instagram, right? And that's where these kids are. So we're we're tagging high schools. We're getting people to our website. We're getting votes. And then we're out there and we're present. We show up at football games to present checks. So this really doesn't cost you very much. We bought t-shirts for the schools. We donated a little bit of money to their school. But everyone was so excited. And we had a lot of people come up and say, I went to your website every day. I voted every day. I've been telling all my friends to vote. And from the outside, this might be like, well, you're getting a lot of people that aren't really your customers, right? Who knows? Who knows? They see us out there. They see us active. They see us involved. And so we're, we love to hear that. One other thing to help you up your referrals. This is something we've just added into our phone scripting with our CSRs is one of the questions that we built a custom filled in-service Titan for this. Is there someone we can thank for referring you to our company today? If this is a brand new customer. And what that does is it plants a seed in their mind of, ooh, who else could I refer? And yeah, did I hear from someone? And so it helps us track our referrals a little bit. And then we send thank you cards. We pull a report from that custom field of referrals and we're able to thank our customers. We send them actually a gift card for our services. And we send one to the person who referred us and one to the person it as a thank you as well. So we're sending out double gift cards and then people can save those up, add them up and use them for future services. So it's a win-win.
0: When we're thinking about how we can be intentional about referrals, think about what makes people want to share and do even more. So a couple tricks or tricks, practices, systems that we had was how about taking the picture of the homeowner with their new equipment? And then posting it on there. Guess what? Everyone loves seeing their own face on social media. So, guess what they do? They go and they share it to say, hey, hi, uh, look here, I got my picture. So, why not leverage that? You know, so another way was with your team, Lou Habaka, one of our great customers here at Service Titan, but he actually inspired me to do this. But he had a video training series for his technicians on the proper way to ask for a review. I was like, wow, this is genius. We all say we want our technicians to do that, but he actually went above and beyond and actually made a video all about how to do that. So that way, the technicians, it was part of the process. That's what they did. So that really works. And then anytime you can recognize your team publicly, whether uh, it's on social media or whatever it is about providing great service, guess what? They also want to share and do that even more. So I, I say it all the time on these things, but what gets recognized gets repeated, right? So if you recognize them doing well, they're gonna try to repeat the behavior. So those are a couple other other little things.
2: I absolutely love that. Brilliant. I love that. And I just want to take this moment and say, this is a free podcast. <laughs> and I just got two wonderful strategies for referrals from both of you. So thank you so much. And, you know, while you're both talking, Chris, you mentioned earlier on the show that when I first was in business, I was thinking about how this is a people business. I didn't think about the data, but people It's so important in the way you train your technicians, how to interact with the customer, how you do community outreach. And this all goes back, Angie, I know to one of your favorite things to talk about, which is customer experience. So tell us a little bit about that for kind of your mindset, your way of thinking about this, because I know you're really passionate about it.
3: Customer experience is everything, right? It goes back to what Chris was just talking about, how to train your people to not only ask for a five-star review, but actually earn a five-star review. And in some of the training that I do, I talk about going beyond five stars. What is a six-star review or a seven-star? If someone could leave you more than five-star reviews, what would that service look like? And it's thinking about and designing a service that would be worthy, not just five stars, but more than five stars. It's actually a really great activity to do with your team. Chris and does this at his company. I've done it at mine. But we look at like what are we doing? What are the expectations, and how can we go above and beyond? So our technicians know that they do not leave a home without bringing in the trash can, without changing a light bulb, asking if they can swap out batteries, moving cobwebs out of a window or off at the corners of the ceilings. Like they are there to do something above and beyond. And if you're wondering what's impressive to your customers, what they like, what they love about your company, go look at your reviews. What are they saying? What is impressive to them? And what surprised me and I saw over and over and over in my reviews was the techs were friendly. They were on time. They were knowledgeable. They taught me things about my system I didn't know. And I'm like, this, that is your gold. Take that go do that because that is what people love. And so if you're like, what do we do to go above and beyond? Well, what are you already doing? That's great. And make sure you keep doing that. And then think about those extra things.
2: I love that. Chris, anything you would like to
0: add? Yeah. So back to the data driving the people and the decisions here. So, I mean, we found out that 58% of uh, customer's work was from repeat customers in this survey. So, Customer experience, if 58% of all the stuff coming in is from repeat business, if they don't get a good customer experience that first time, they're out of here, right? So if you want to protect your clientele, kind of fence in your herd, it's very important to have a a very intentional design customer experience from start to finish. And if you can't describe it to me uh, from start to finish in a few words and have your technicians be able to describe it back to you quickly like that. You probably ought to go to work on really defining what is your customer experience because otherwise you're just kind of leaving it to chance. And it's too important to leave to chance, Jackie. It's way too important.
2: Yes. Yes. I have to say, I mean, I make the joke on the podcast all the time. I'm a renter, not an owner because I live in Los Angeles. It's my burden to bear. But I'm so spoiled by the contractors that come on this show. And from what I've learned from the two of you, because if I do have someone come into my home and they leave it a mess, which happened with a plumber recently, I'm like, you suck. (laughs) <laughs> that was not worth the $300 I paid for you to come out here or more annoying. I mean, it was worth it. They unclogged the one toilet I have, but still it's like, you know, it would have been nice if you had done just maybe a little bit of effort and it only takes you an extra three, five minutes. You know what I mean? So something to think about. Um, Chris, you alluded to something that I actually did not know about until the three of us got together and discussed this report separately off mic. But word on the street is that m- contractors are starting to make the argument that membership programs have become obsolete or are going to become obsolete. So tell me a little bit about that because you just talked
0: about that. Okay, so yeah, if you ever want a fire starter of a conversation, throw this one out there amongst contractors because it's it'll definitely get them going. And, and there's arguments to be made either which way, but I think even the ones that are saying memberships are dead, they're really not saying memberships or customer retention is dead. What they're saying is maybe the old way of thinking about them is dead. And maybe it's time we think about it a little differently, whether it's proactive maintenance, you know, with automatic notifications, whether it's doing a maintenance where you're not actually coming out twice a year, you're only doing it when the equipment actually needs it, or even having just a club visit, you know, where you get perks and stuff off of it versus actual, a service agreement where you were designed to come out twice a year. But let me make a case for it of why I think it's definitely not dead. All right. So, so here's the thing. If you're in the, and I'm just going to use HVAC because I was an HVAC technician. This is in my blood. And uh, so everything I do, I kind of, kind of coming from that viewpoint, but if you're in HVAC, no matter what you say, you are a weather driven business to a point right? You can do things to make it not so weather-driven, but there is going to be shoulder seasons. My goodness. I mean, look at California this year. There's been periods, Jackie, where I know you guys have had a mild uh, season out there. You probably didn't even know if your air conditioner was on or off. You didn't care. You know I mean? You're just comfortable. Well, same goes with us when we were in Oklahoma. You know, in the summer, we were busy. In the fall, we were dead. In the winter, we got busy for a little bit. In the spring, we were dead. So I had to figure out a way If I'm going to grow this team and start to expand, I've got to attract in the best technicians. And you can't attract great technicians when you're telling them, I'm going to work you like a dog in the summer, and then you're going to starve to death in the off season. So hence, maintenance agreements or club memberships. This is where this comes in. These are guaranteed future hours of work sold and guaranteed for your technicians. And I'm looking at it from the company standpoint right now. There's some homeowner benefits to it as well. But so back to what I hate to be a broken record here, but, you know, what gets measured and recognized gets repeated. That's what happens. So what we would do every month in our big company meeting, we would celebrate how many club memberships that we converted. And then we wouldn't just celebrate because we got a number we would actually put the hour figure of how much future work that guaranteed our team and how many new technicians that meant we could add. And also the beauty of this is when you get to a certain number of guaranteed hours of work and opportunity, then guess what? If I'm a maintenance technician, that means I may have the opportunity to graduate up to the service tech level and a new maintenance tech may be able to come in and, and do a lot of those jobs as well. So- from a company perspective, they're definitely not dead. It's a great way to build your team. It's guaranteed work. And now, if you fast forward just a little bit to the financial aspect of it, who cares what you charge on the up on the front end of it? The odds are, if you protect your customer and you provide a great customer experience, it's going to break sometime. You know, they're going to need a new system. They're going to need a service call. And when they do, they know who to call. They know you're going to come and you're going to take care of it. So. You build that relationship. It's like guaranteeing future work without having to pay any more marketing dollars for it. So that's one side of the take of why they're definitely not dead for me.
2: I love that. Thank you for that answer. Anything you want to add to the membership controversy?
0: So, from a homeowner perspective, this is why it's so important to have a membership. For one, most homeowners, guess what? They don't care about what's going on with their air conditioner, furnace, whatever, their water heater. All they want to know is they want it to work. So if they can take, if you can take away that stress from them, say, Hey, I got it. You know, we're your people. You ever have an issue? Plus, we're going to come out, we're going to check everything out for you, make sure your home is safe, make sure you're paying the lowest amount possible on your utility bills and you're comfortable. You know, if you can make people safe, comfortable, and save them money, they're going to love you for it. Take that stress away from them. Plus, recently, I had some work done. I had bought a new place, and I had to call all kinds of contractors from you know, you name it. I had a bunch of them. You would not believe how many I couldn't even get to answer the phone, call me back, any of this stuff. it was like, are you I was begging them, take my money, please, take my money. come, come fix me. Nobody would hardly answer the phone or call back. But when you have a company that that you trust, they've been servicing you, your stuff and taking care of you and you get a discount possibly when you call them or you've acquired some loyalty points or something towards a future pur- purchase, you're not going to have to worry about who to call. They're the guy. And then back to that data, the 71% referring, I guarantee you, if you take care of them when they need it, you're the hero. Guess what they're going to do? They're going go to go their neighborhood group. They're going to brag about it. They're going to they're tell all their friends. When their friends have something break down, they need a new unit. They're going to be like, well, you need to call Chris Hunter's company over there. They, they've they done us right for a long time. So it'll pay off in the long run. Memberships to me are definitely not dead.
2: So I'm so grateful for you to put that you put on that homeowner hat real quickly and to, told us about the benefits from the homeowner perspective. I think because the, well, the three of us are in the service titan universe. We, most of the contractors we talk with have this customer experience, have this standard of service that we expect because of the universe we're in. But this residential report This real-life experience that you just shared, Chris, just reminds us that we, in our own way, are in a silo. And it's so helpful to know that while you may be surrounded by peers who have this standard of service, the reality is most companies do not. So I'm really happy you brought that up. Angie, I want to give you a moment to speak about memberships if you have any additional thoughts you'd like to add.
3: Yeah, I think one of the best things about memberships is it goes into building a relationship of trust. They're trusting you to be their partner for whatever home service you provide. And so when something goes down, yes, they're going to call you because they have a membership with you. And then it just gives you a chance to continue to wow them. And also, I think it also gives a little bit more grace when you do mess up as a company. If you mess up as a company and you've made a mistake, they're like, well, no, I'm a member. We're going to work through this. And then instead of like, all right, I'm calling someone else, it's like, no. I've trusted you in the past. You've always taken care of me. I'm going to continue to trust you. So I think it helps deepen that relationship so that if you do mess up, it's there's that bit of grace there for you.
2: Wonderful point. Wonderful point. All right. I have already you guys. We could talk about this for another like five hours. I know we could, but I want to step away from the report a little bit and I want to get the inside scoop. So generally speaking, what are the two of you hearing from folks in the industry about business trends? You know, we saw this giant boom in COVID with everyone home. What are we seeing now at the end of 2023 going into 24?
0: Chris, why don't you start? Okay. Tides change, Jackie. There's a little bit different sentiment on the street right now, and it's in the data as well, unfortunately. So what's going on is we had the perfect storm the last three years of business euphoria per, per se. So think about it. We, we had uh, COVID hit. Everyone thought, okay, it's the end of the world. But then all of a sudden, businesses got handed a large amounts of money to help them operate through different programs and subsidies. Homeowners got some money in their pockets through different incentives and things like that, that were going on. Everyone was at home. So now they're really conscious of their, of their health, their comfort, all these type of things. They're able to work from home now. So what happened was as contractors, we had a boom, then inflation hits and prices increased significantly. All contractors increased their prices and homeowners didn't even care because everything else was going up as well. So the pricing went up tremendously as well, growth rates skyrocketed. And then also specifically in the HVAC world, what happened was we pulled forward some installs from 2023, 2024, and 2025. Now hear me out. The AHRI data shipments are even showing this as well. It's a great resource to see what the number of shipments are that are happening to nationwide. All the time so what happened everyone was at home they had money their savings was at an all-time high they elected to replace systems that they probably would have not done then but maybe done in the future they enjoyed it right then contractors loved life they had all these extra funds available prices were higher they replaced them everything is grand and then now the economy tightened back up interest rates rose savings is at an all-time low credit people are maxed out on their credit it's also really high plus we pulled forward a lot of those jobs that we should have been doing right now so contractors are finding themselves oh my gosh you know the the average growth rate in our service titan benchmark report just showed it's a little over seven percent this year well in the past it was 26 percent. but guess what it's not the end of the world 7% 7% is, pretty, is still pretty darn good. It's just kind of a reset of our expectations of what we've experienced. So I think contractors are still, we're in the right business. They still got to have us, but it's more important now than ever to protect our customer, get back to serving well and get back to really operating a, a lean business model that serves really well. And guess what? We'll bounce out of this thing. There's some incentives coming with the Inflation Reduction Act. That, that's going to put $8 billion towards energy improvements. Contractors are poised to get a big chunk of that right there. So I think we're still in a really good spot, but it's a great reset. Everybody's talking about it. They're all really concerned. That's what I'm seeing right now.
2: Thank you so much. And very optimistic too, right? You had mentioned before this is some of our business is going to be weather dependent. I really appreciate you thinking about it that way. Like instead of thinking, oh my gosh, we've been you know, we've been raking in all of this profit the last couple of years. It's not as familiar. It's not as it's not as abundant as it was a few years ago. Now this is an opportunity for me to really get back to basics, tighten up my operations, make sure I'm charging the right amount of money for my services based on my growth goals, make sure I'm doing all of those excellent community outreach, customer experience, referral initiatives that we talked about sooner, and really getting back to the way that you know, running a lean profitable business. Angie, what would you like to add to what Chris just had to say?
3: I think you nailed it right on the head. I think it is going back to what can I do to make my business lean and mean? We've had this happen a few times in our business over the year with different economic pandemic. like you just don't know. And the last time we had a big recession, we really had to look at every area of our business and say, all right, what can I cut? What And make some decisions because you do like cash flow is king you have to have money in the bank you have to be really careful about how you're spending what you're saving where you will put that those funds to and so when I look at even just from this report the the call center 76 percent of people outsource their call center and there I, I think back to when I joined service Titan and that was probably one of the best things for me is I was able to cancel a lot of my third-party services because everything was included in Service Titan. I no longer had to hire a company for my call recordings. I no longer had to hire a company for my price book. I no longer had, like, there were a lot of things I was able to just tighten up within Service Titan. And after it took me a while to get everything implemented and where it needed to be, and and being able to cancel all of those third-party services that I was outsourcing, that was huge for us. And I think I actually saved money going to Service Titan versus those third, all those third-party companies I was hiring for everything else. And so when you're thinking about outsourcing and thinking about tightening the budget and what to cut, don't cut training, don't cut your marketing, keep those two strong, but be more strategic about what, if you are a Service Titan customer, what you're using in Service Titan, because there's a good chance there's something in there you're not using and you're probably paying someone else to do for you that you could really just learn how to do and have better data, better reporting, better numbers so you can make better decisions moving forward.
2: Yeah, I think that's really excellent advice from both of you. On November 30th, we'll be doing a webinar at 11 a.m. Pacific time, and the registration link will be in the show notes. And we're going to talk a little bit more about some of the things we spoke about today, in addition to the biggest inhibitors to hitting your goals, according to this report. So, recession, labor shortage. So, if you guys are interested in that, register for it. It'll also be available on demand in case you can't make that time. So, really excited to continue this conversation, Angie and Chris, on Thursday. And thank you, as always, for just sharing your wealth of experience. I always learn so much when you guys are on, so I really appreciate it. Thank you so, so much.
1: Hey, Toolbox, want to earn some serious cash just by referring your friends to Service Titan? For every demo you referral books with our team, you'll earn 500 bucks. And if they sign up, you could even make up to $10,000. But wait, there's more. Refer the most friends, you could win a brand new Tesla Model 3. So what are you waiting for? Click the referrals link in the show notes of this episode to start submitting referrals today and get one step closer to driving off in your dream car.